You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Today on Preaching Source, our guest is Dr. Matthew McKellar, who is uh, one of my fellow professors here at the School of Preaching at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. McKellar has been a part of our faculty since 2009, having served as a senior pastor for 28 years. So he brings that wonderful blend between the intellectual and academic side of preaching and the practical pastoral side of it. Uh, He's written a very helpful booklet entitled A Pastor's Guide to Text-Driven Preaching, and he is often featured in our workshops that we put on on text-driven preaching here at the School of Preaching at Southwestern. Uh, Today, we want to focus in on a subject that is part of his Ph.D. seminar on Southern Baptist preaching. So, Dr. McKellar, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you. It's always great to visit with you. Well, first of all, uh, can give us a, a, a broad uh, overview of, of the heritage of Southern Baptist preaching. You, you teach about the, uh, the history of Southern Baptist preaching. So what does that look like? Where does it start? Where does it go? What, give us a general overview of Southern Baptist preaching. Right. Well, one of the key years that you want to remember as you study the history of the Southern Baptist Convention is its founding, which was in 1845. So the Southern Baptist Convention was founded in 1845, but of course there are a number of influences that were operative uh, which shaped and molded the Southern Baptist preachers that you had in those early days of of Southern Baptist life. And you can really go back post-Reformation. You know, following the Reformation, there is a flourishing. There is a a, really a, a, a wealth of a preaching and, and a focus on the Word of God uh, for obvious reasons. The Bible was put in the hands of the people, and theological training and preparation took on uh, a new a new level, and there was a new level of meaning to it. So I think we have to keep I think we have to keep that in mind. And then, as as far as the the early years of Southern Baptist life, I think we have to look at the influences of the the Puritans on the one hand. I think about William Perkins and his work, The Art of Prophesying. Uh, had a great influence uh, both in Europe and in the United States in that Puritan tradition uh, of preaching, uh, as well as other Puritans like uh, Richard Baxter, who made the famous statement, I preach as never sure to preach again as a dying man to dying men. And so th- that that's some of the that's some of what was going on uh, in, in in the evangelical world. And those factors, no doubt, influenced uh, people like Richard Furman, who was an early Southern Baptist pioneer. They were shaped by what had gone on before them. Mm. Uh, Dr. McKellar, I, one of the things I just thought of that is is a matter of curiosity for me, when when you think of the mainstream of the Reformation of Luther, of Zwingli, of, of Calvin, um, a lot of times we, many of us, consider the Anabaptist movement a part of our history and our heritage, but they were seen uh, really as uh, outliers or in some respects outcast. W- were there differences between the uh, the the preaching of say the the mainstream Reformation preachers and and maybe some of those early 
people in the Reformation that that were outliers that that really came to be very influential on on Baptist as a whole. Are there differences in different styles or different emphases? Well, I think inevitably there were there were some differences uh, simply based on the fact of, of the setting and the the timing. For instance, uh, if you have a post Reformation Anglican or a post Reformation Lutheran, uh, you're you're going to have generally speaking, larger crowds of people, uh, established uh, cathedrals or church buildings, whereas in the Anabaptist movement, you know, because of persecution and other things, these people were meeting in houses or uh, wherever they could meet. So I think there was probably uh, a less formal uh, element uh, of the preaching. I'm not saying that to minimize any of the content, but a, but a less formal element was, was certainly involved. But what's fascinating is that as you look and you look at what was happening post-Reformation, then we move into the 18th century, the middle 1700s, on into the end of that century. You see that that by the sovereignty of God and God's providence, there is an evangelical emphasis that has been preserved even in uh, even in the denominations or in the state churches like the uh, the Anglican Church. There's that element in there which is committed to uh, evangelism, committed to the gospel. Let's talk a bit about the role of of seminaries, preachers need to be educated somewhere. Uh, talk a little bit about the pedagogy of Southern Baptist preaching and and the roles that uh, our seminaries have played in the development of preachers. And by the way, uh, some of our listeners may not realize that if you look, I saw just recently uh, the updating of the top 10 largest seminaries in the United States. Well, you, the six Southern Baptist seminaries always all six of them, or at least five out of six, usually make it into that top ten list, and uh, the, the people vying for the top two or three or four spots are almost always, uh, uh, you know, our seminaries. And so uh, I know we've had a great impact in terms of, of sheer scope and size now, but going back to the beginning and the founding of our seminaries and, and what they've done through the years, what uh, how has that influenced the development of Southern Baptist preaching? Yeah, great question, and it allows me really to uh, to cross the bridge from your previous question related to the prehistory of Southern Baptist preaching. I, I want to mention one individual. Uh, not only am I fond of him, I'm convinced that uh, academically you can make a strong case for the fact that Charles Simeon, in many ways, is the great-great-grandfather of of uh, evangelical homiletics, and I would say even more specifically, text-driven preaching. Now, he was an Anglican preacher in Cambridge, pastored one church for 54 years. What's interesting about him, and our colleague Denny Autry wrote about this in his doctoral dis dissertation, he was influenced by the Frenchman Jean-Claude, who wrote essay on the composition of a sermon. It turns out that Robert Robinson, who was a Baptist pastor in Cambridge at the same time as Simeon, translated the work of Claude from French to English. It got into the hands of Simeon, and uh, he really ran with it, agreed with a lot of its principles, and then uh, added to it. And this was the impetus for uh, Jorge Homiletica, his sermon outlines, his sermon skeletons. And I say all that to say when we get to the early pedagogy in Southern Baptist seminaries, you've got to mention John Broadus. Generally speaking, he's recognized as the first Southern Baptist professor of preaching at Southern Seminary. And I mentioned Claude and Simeon because 
in Broadus's writings, he reflects an awareness and even an influence that flows down from Claude to Simeon, makes its way across the ocean and into America. Also, it's interesting that at this same time uh, in Presbyterian life, Robert Louis Dabney, who taught at Union Seminary and was Stonewall's, uh, Stonewall Jackson's chief of staff during the Civil War, was teaching preaching at Union Seminary and in his lectures references the work of Simeon and Claude. So I just want to point out to our listeners that Southern Baptist preaching did not hatch in a in a uh, in a vacuum. It was influenced by so many factors. Simeon basically led the way in terms of the evangelical push in the Anglican Church, the Church of England, and was very evangelistic, very missional. In fact, was rebuked and was criticized for his passion in wanting to see souls come to Christ. So that that's a part of our history. So in terms of the role of the seminaries, uh, you mentioned earlier. Uh, our six Southern seminaries today, and their their vast and in many ways broad influence. But uh, in the early years, you didn't have a whole lot of teaching, of preaching. In fact, going back to Charles Simeon, uh, one of his biographers says this about him, that Simeon was almost the first man in the history of the English pulpit since the Middle Ages to appreciate that it's possible to teach men how to preach and to discover how to do so. So I think that's a very important reality. It's not like there have been teachers of preaching uh, specifically down through the generations. It's become a specialized art uh, only in, in more recent history. So in the late 1800s, 1870, 1880, you have Southern Seminary, and then the founding of Southwestern Seminary in 1908. Of course, B.H. Carroll was a gifted preacher and evangelist along with L.R. Scarborough. And then I might mention one of the most significant and often forgotten teachers of preaching was right here at Southwestern, Dr. Jeff Ray who was the subject of our colleague, Dr. Kyle Walker's dissertation. It is estimated that perhaps Dr. Ray, because he taught so long, taught more preachers than perhaps anybody else uh, in the history of Southern Baptist life. And he wrote an excellent book about expository preaching. So we have a rich history, Dr. McCarty, and it's one that uh, I I want us to hang on to and not take for granted. Probably one of the key events in Southern Baptist life, especially in uh, the last few decades or the last half century, has been the conservative resurgence. And I have heard many people talk about the importance of preaching uh, to the conservative resurgence. So let me ask the historian, the official historian of Southern Baptist preaching, uh, what role did did the preaching and preachers in the conservative resurgence, what, what, how did that work? What Great, role did they play? Great question. And let me say for the record, one could not begin to overestimate the importance of preaching during the conservative resurgence. And uh, to drive home that point, one of the best uh, analyses done analysis analyses done of the resurgence was done by a a, um, a sociologist Nancy Ammerman, um, and her book was published by Rutgers Press in 1990. It's called Baptist Battles, 
and it's fascinating. She's not she's no friend to conservative theologians or Southern Baptist life, but her objective look at what happened during the resurgence is is powerful. And one one of the conclusions that you get from her book and then from other sources as you really search through what happened is that one of the reasons that the conservative resurgence succeeded is because those leading it could preach. And the reason they could preach is because they were committed to the inerrant Word of God, and they stood on that uh, uh, non-negotiable, and it made all the difference. And I think practically speaking, Dr. McCarty, if you're not convinced as to the authority and the absolute trustworthiness of Holy Scripture, then you're not going to preach it with the same fervor or with the same commitment. And I think this demonstrated itself in the controversy and in the eventual uh, resurgence and uh, uh, return back to Scripture led by conservatives. Let's talk for a bit about the current state of Southern Baptist preaching. Uh, where, where are we right now? It's a very mixed picture. On the one hand, there is cause for discouragement, and I would say discouragement in this sense. There are a lot of guys in Southern Baptist pulpits who are gifted communicators. I mean, you really want to listen to them. They can tell stories. They look good in front of an audience. They know how to communicate to an audience. But sadly, what's happened is they have bought into the idea that the text is boring, that the text somehow won't do the job, that they need something slick, they need something smooth. And so what happens is you have a sermon with a cool opening illustration, a little bit of text, a little bit of commentary on the text, and then 20 to 25 minutes of anecdotes, and then you land the plane with the conclusion. Sadly, I hear about that and hear it myself going on in too many Southern Baptist pulpits. But here's the great news, Dr. McCarty. I'm very encouraged because I'm seeing not only in younger preachers, that is students that you and I teach here at this school, but across our convention, I'm seeing a renewed interest and in many cases a renewed commitment to what is true expository preaching, what we call here at Southwestern text-driven preaching, where the text of the uh, sermon drives the substance, the structure, and the spirit um, for that sermon. All right. I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, could could you... Uh, give us, a, if not a top 10 list, but uh, what would, a, let's say, a top five list look like of the most influential preachers in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention? Who, who would be on that list? You know, this is a difficult question because if you look in terms of influence, of course, you have to think about people who have been preaching since the advent of, of media and television and radio. Uh, I suppose if we were to go back, you do have to talk about people like Richard Furman. Who could underestimate his importance in the early days and the formation of the Southern Baptist Convention? Or someone like uh, Basil Manley in the early days of Southern Baptist life. Those guys didn't have the advantage of, of, uh, of television, radio, and the media, but we shouldn't discount them uh, uh, for that reason. But I do think in terms of their broad influence, it was somewhat limited. If I could move into a more modern time, let me mention these five. And uh, it was difficult, and there are many other worthy names that could be mentioned, but, but I think these are, are, are pretty rock solid. I would say 
uh, you'd have to include Herschel Hobbes because of his influence through the Baptist Hour sermons uh, during some of the most pivotal days and pivotal days in Southern Baptist life in the 50s and 60s. Then I think you have to include uh, W.A. Criswell. Uh, his influence, uh, more than 50 years as pastor at First Baptist Dallas, his uh, commitment to the inerrancy of God's Word. Then I would also have to add the name of uh, one of our new Ph.D. students here at the seminary, Dr. Jerry Vines, because uh, his sermon, A Baptist and His Bible, in those important days during the conservative resurgence, uh, absolutely critical to where we were going and needed to go as a denomination. I'd also have to mention uh, Adrian Rogers, uh, had a, a tremendous ministry for all those years at Bellevue in Memphis. And, and then I'd have to mention Charles Stanley, uh, his influence at First Baptist Atlanta uh, through television and radio, uh, absolutely massive. So uh, whether one agrees with those five or not, I would say those five definitely belong at the very least in the discussion. Dr. McKellar, I am sure that we have sparked the interest of uh, many of our listeners on on the history of Southern Baptist preaching. Are are there some uh, key books that you could recommend that would would help somebody get a grasp of the history and development of Southern Baptist preaching? Yes, I, th- I think I mentioned from a from a so-called secular standpoint, Nancy Ammerman's book Baptist Battles. Uh, that that's a fascinating read. But I think when it comes to books about Southern Baptist preaching and where we're headed now, uh, let me mention the book Text Driven Preaching, which is a compilation of articles edited by. Uh, Danny Aiken, our own David Allen, and Ned Matthews. If someone really wants to know what's this text-driven preaching thing all about, that might be a, a, a very good place to start. Uh, I would say in terms, of, in terms of writing the complete history of what's happened in Southern Baptist life, um, it, it's still being written, and I'm hopeful that some of our students and uh, some of our, uh, our, our current professors of preaching will, will tackle this issue because we're going to need a more definitive and, and inclusive history, uh, especially given the momentous events of uh, uh, the last 30 years or so. But I would say uh, text-driven preaching, the, the Ammerman book, uh, if you want to get a picture of what happened in Southern Baptist life. And then I might mention, if you want to go back to the earliest time, there's a great biography. It's come out in the last couple of years on the life of Richard Furman, which I think gives great insight to the early days uh, of what it was like in ministering in that period. And then as the Southern Baptist Convention uh, comes to life. Our guest today on Preaching Source has been Dr. Matthew McKellar. He uh, is professor of preaching here at Southwestern School of Preaching. And in particular, he teaches our Ph.D. seminar on the history of Southern Baptist preaching. And Dr. McKellar, thank you for being with us on Preaching Source today. It's my great privilege.